Oh, there we go. There we go. We are in. So today's question, what does it take to put creative and build community and build a business? Mm. Welcome back to another episode of the Opportunity Knox podcast. I am your host, Dean Miller, and today's guest is the one and only Khalil Artis. Khalil and I connected um, several months back. I want to say close to a year ago yeah, um, when I was looking to do some logo design. And again, as I say, pretty much in every episode, the wonderful world of Instagram, you poke around, you can find a lot of brilliant stuff in there. And Khalil and I connected. Um, he did some work for us on, on our logo. If you're watching live, you can see here. Um, Great stuff. But I have, I have kind of really done the deep dive into who he is and what he does. Uh, and I really believe in the message he puts out there. If you go to his Instagram page, it's k.artis, A-R-T-I-S underscore, and he very succinctly defines what he does, but I want to dive much deeper into it. He helps brands grow and evolve. He teaches creatives the business of creativity. Um, he is the senior designer at Cox Communications, which was kind of a dream job for him, uh, from what I understand. And we're going to get into that story. We're going to hear about Khalil's successes, the opportunities, the failures, how he evolved, and some of the insight he's going to bring to business owners out there in general. Um, definitely go follow him on Instagram if you've got any interest and listen with an open mind, regardless of what field you're in. There is going to be some brilliance that comes out of one or both of our mouths in the next hour. I can promise it. Uh, more likely from him than me, uh, but that's just the way we do it here. That's my job is to pull the brilliance out of you. So, Khalil, thank you. Welcome, and thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Oh, for sure. I appreciate it. I appreciate being here. So, Atlanta, Georgia, mm -hmm. got into the creative world. Mm -hmm. Give us a little insight as to who you are and how you got to where you are today, and then let's dive into a little Q&A. Okay. Uh, well, for starters, for those who may not know, my name is Khalil Artis. Uh, I'm a graphic designer based out of uh, Atlanta, Georgia. Um, just a little bit kind of like my journey and just a little bit how everything started. Um, I'm a graduate of Hampton University. I graduated in 2017. And once I graduated, I actually moved out to Georgia to pursue my MBA. So I went to a school called Shorter University. It's in Rome, Georgia. Uh, it's about an hour and 20 minutes west of uh, Atlanta. So a little bit of ways up, but it's still not too far. Um, from there, I remember vividly, I would say my first semester, because I was actually playing football there too. I had another year of eligibility. And I remember I literally hated it out there. <laughs> like it was just really just not what I was expecting. It's really slow paced. Um, I'm, I'm originally from the city, I'm from New Jersey. So I'm used to the hustle and bustle of everything. So that just wasn't for me. So I remember I spoke to my academic advisor asked, you know, could I, you know, change my program to online? Because, you know, I wanted to get ready to start my career, kind of get my field and stuff like that. And once I got the green light from there, like that first semester, I would say 2018, going into spring semester. So I would say like December 6th to the date, I was like on the first day moving out of Rome, Georgia to Atlanta. So from there, um, yeah, no, then I really just started, you know, trying to, you know, perfect my craft, trying to learn as much as I could about design trying to really just understand the nuances of it, you know, then I feel like where I really made my pivot is where I started to wanted to understand like how design affects business. And then when I realized that, like just really how much design has an impact on businesses, corporations, things like that, it became a thing of, all right, this is something I knew that I wanted to do because I always had an interest in design. It was always something I enjoyed doing, but there's a business aspect to it that I also enjoy as well. And, you know, just being an athlete, I've always been competitive. I've always wanted to, you know, conquer and be the best at what I could be. 
you know, just put my skills to the test and see how far I could take it. So that business aspect allowed me to take something I thoroughly enjoyed and allowed me to put a competitive, I guess, a competitive aspect to it that, you know, I can continue to try to, you know, excel on and continue to improve. So, yeah, from there, um, like I, said, I had an opportunity to work with a lot of great companies um, along the way. From the, I'll say from the past two to three years now, um, where companies, uh, Fortune 500s like Eaton Corporation, uh, Cox Communications, where I'm at now, Panasonic, uh, done projects for Delta Airlines, I've done projects with startups in Atlanta, almost the whole gamut. So I'm just, you know, really appreciative and fortunate for just the whole journey thus far. And Definitely looking forward to what's going to be on the way in the future. Yeah, and I, I definitely see things getting bigger and better for you as you define it. And I and I appreciate that. And you've already stirred up three really good questions, I hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm, and I'm going to work backwards. Mm-hmm. From what I'm hearing from you, none mm-hmm. of these opportunities were handed to you. How did you attract or create those opportunities? Uh, that's actually a really good question. Um, How did I attract these? Um, I'm definitely a firm believer on, you know, you attract what you are. So I remember when I very first started out, when I really decided to, you know, make this decision, I wanted to go ahead and make design a career. I feel like I was starting from ground zero. So I would say think of 2017 going to 2018, just start from ground zero. Like I probably knew just as much as the average person about Illustrator, Photoshop and all that. And literally I just wanted to be a sponge. So however I can get information, I was, you know, willing to do it. So Tell people YouTube University is a great tool. Utilize it. Google University, another great tool. So I can say it definitely started there, literally just trying to pick up as much as I can. I remember I would buy courses off sites like Udemy.com, uh, Domestica.com. Uh, it's actually a, a, a educational platform for designers and creatives called The Future. I remember I brought some of their courses in, just trying to soak up as much as I could to learn as much as I could because at the end of the day, like I knew what I wanted to do. I, and I also understood what it would take to kind of get there. And I guess that's more so of that athlete, you know, perspective, the athlete mindset coming to play. Yep. But yeah, no, it definitely wasn't a thing of, you know, definitely nothing was handed to me. Um, I can say it was a situation of just understanding what I was up against, considering that, you know, design, I feel like it's a very competitive field. There's a lot of ways you can go and a lot of, you know, avenues you can take it. And you got to understand kind of, you know, just what are some of the things that you may not, you know, you may be lacking. So for example, with me, coming from an HBCU and I wasn't a graphic design major, you know, trying to get jobs or, you know, get clients from people who went to schools like art center and SCAD and stuff like that, who had, you know, the graphic design background or the art background and had these professors that, you know, understood the craft and was teaching them. I didn't have that. So I almost had to, you know, try to figure out how I could get that type of, you know, understanding of things on my own. And then from there, that's where reading came into play. I read a lot of books on design, layouts, you know, composition, uh, you know, understanding the nuances of logo design and really just trying to put it all together without having a teacher in front of me to kind of tell me or guide me. So it was kind of like a lot of stuff, you know, a lot of trial and error. But, you know, from there, I was fortunate enough to be able to be mentored by a lot of really great designers and just whether they know it or not. They were my mentor, whether they want to believe it or not, just from afar. <laughs> and, that, and that's a point I want to I, I want to kind of emphasize is you were mentored by people who had no idea they were mentoring you. Exactly. And, and I, you know, we talk about the power of coaching and mentors and mm. you mentioned courses. I'm going to touch on I'm going to touch on that as well, because uh, it was a conversation that came up in our in our last podcast with Stacey Rask. Mm. Um, 
you know, a mentor doesn't necessarily have to be somebody who was there to give you feedback. It's how you create that opportunity and how you listen, how you absorb, and then how you go find opportunities to ask questions, whether it be of that mentor who may or may not want to talk to you or have the any insight that you're even reaching out to them mm-hmm. or going out to a world that's bigger and beyond to get those answers. Uh, and I, I love the fact that that you you emphasize that mentors are a one of the most valuable things you can do in anything that you do, whether it be mm-hmm. work, pleasure, family having those people to guide you mentally, spiritually, physically to that next point and using them as a source of, of inspiration and motivation um, is, a, is a wonderful thing. Let's touch on it. You, you talked about a lot of courses mm. that you went and you, and you paid for some of these things and you found mm. them through Google you and, and, and YouTube you, as we refer to it. Mm. Uh, some, some of them paid. Mm. In our last episode, we talked about how courses all too often are overrated because people mm buy these courses, never really put the effort into it. Yeah. Uh, never, they, they spend the money thinking, Hey, magic pill, I'm going to pay for this and I'm going to be blank. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, understanding how, that leveraging these things and knowing when to cut ties with them. Sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. I've paid for hundreds and hundreds of courses in my life. I'm that guy who likes to dabble in everything because mm-hmm. I'm not just there to learn what's being taught, mm-hmm. <clears throat> excuse me, but I love to learn, um, <clears throat> the methods behind how these courses work as someone who is putting courses together himself for mm. multiple businesses that I have. Um, and I, I look at the courses as the template for the guy and the guide for the business mm. you know, that course is that is nothing more than a checklist on how to do your job from A to Z. Absolutely. Um, and more importantly, how to take that guide and hand it off to somebody else when you need to replace somebody or add somebody uh, and having that, having that structure and the strategy of, uh, of having that consistency without ever taking a step backwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm glad, I'm glad you acknowledged the course part of it. And I'm glad we got to clarify from anybody from the last podcast who was kind enough to listen that courses are not a bad thing. They just need to be used in the right, in the right mindset. For sure. For sure. Absolutely. Um, I can say just to add on to that courses, I definitely will agree for a fact that, you know, there are a lot of, there's a lot of fluff out there. Whereas, you know, you may be expecting to get one thing. You definitely don't get that out of it. And I mean, that comes with the trial and error. I mean, I definitely, you know, luckily I didn't spend, have to spend too much money on this, but the fact that, you know, there's some courses that just didn't give me what I was looking for, all I thought I could get. And there's yep. some other courses that's like, it went far beyond the money that I spent as far as value. So, I mean, it's kind of thing like you kind of just, once you kind of get a hang of just seeing like what's out there and kind of knowing like where to look and stuff like that, it becomes a little bit easier. So for me, I feel like you also need to understand what these courses, one, where you're getting from and understand, like, depending on where you get as far as your skill set and as far as your knowledge, when it's time, when you've outgrown certain things. When it's time to cut ties and move on. Oh, for sure. Like, yep. I remember I first started out, I would buy a lot of courses off Udemy. And I feel like for anyone who's looking at Udemy, U-D-E-M-Y.com. And have they changed the name or is it still the same? I believe it's still the same. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't seen much from them lately, but sorry. Go, go ahead. Yeah. So with that, um. I would say that there was a lot of, you know, beginner courses I would look at, you know, just trying to, you know, understand it more. And some of the instructors are really good. Um, I definitely will recommend some of the illustrated courses that are up there. But I felt like after a while, once I learned a whole bunch of different things, I started trying to get more advanced. I really couldn't. It only could take me but so far. So then it became the next thing of like, all right, well, how can I go about really pushing my skills? And then from there, I feel like transition from me kind of seeing other great work and kind of trying to almost reverse engineer it. So 
if I would see, for example, uh, when I was really trying to learn a lot of st- uh, Swiss design from like layouts, because, you know, Swiss design is really big on layouts and kind of how you structure everything as far as typography to make it look really nice and elegant and really just make these beautiful pictures, make these beautiful layouts just from words. So my biggest thing is if you as a designer can make words by itself look nice, I mean, you can do anything because there's a lot of people who try to add the whole razzle dazzle, use Photoshop, and make all these effects. But if you can just make a composition where all it is is just type and that looks good. Yep. I feel like that's a really good sign as far as, you know, just how talented you really are as a designer. So and sometimes, sometimes yeah. simple is the most sexy thing out there. Oh, for sure. For sure. Like, I'm the biggest advocate of simple. I mean, I'm really not too big on all the bells and whistles. I mean, granted, that can happen every now and again, but I believe there's a time and place for everything. So me, I believe a lot in simplicity, especially, especially when it comes to design, because when you look at it, you know, just any of the great work that's been done from logo design to you know, posters to whatever, the best looking stuff normally is simple. Like, I try to tell people it's logos. It's so complicated in its simplicity, but the, mm-hmm. the brain loves, you know, white space is a wonderful thing. You know, Apple, mm-hmm. Apple has built a, one of the biggest brands in the history of the world. Mm-hmm. And they, everything they do lives on white space. Mm-hmm. That's, you know? that's true. It's incredible. Let me touch on something that you kind of hinted at a little uh, down a path a little bit that's resonated with me and some things that have been coming up a lot lately um the as so it go back a couple years and Mm -hmm. it only is a couple years did you ever do work for free uh did i ever do work for free and and what's your take on the message to people who are out there saying hey you want to learn go improve your your craft and do some work for free to prove your worth okay so i can i'll start by giving my own personal testimony and I kind of get my whole thinking on that. I can gladly say that I've never done work for free. And I say that not to gloat anything, just more so just to understand that you shouldn't be doing work for free. And more so when I was first started, I wasn't even thinking about getting paid. When I first started, I was just doing stuff just to learn, just really to help develop my skills. So I got to a point where I feel like, all right, I could potentially sell this to somebody. So with me, it was more so a situation of I didn't work for free because I was never looking for that. I feel like if people work for free because I'm trying to, you know, I want to get out there. I want to, you know, learn. I want to, you know, develop my skills and they're using that as a practice. But I feel like that kind of develops, you know, some bad habits and mindset, especially when it comes to business, because if you start off and there's a sense of just working for free, then I feel like it kind of snowballed into a situation where, okay, when you do develop the skills, you almost don't know your worth because I've already been working for free. And now it's like, okay, I can't ask a client for X amount of dollars because, I mean, I was doing great work for free. And now it's just like, I almost feel wrong for doing it. So I can say you are not afraid to put to put a a value on your time or the people you work with's time. I've seen absolutely not. I've seen some great posts that you've put up there talking about make sure you ask for what you're worth. Absolutely. Um, and, and Khalil does, like like I said, really, uh, I, I would love to see your follower account go through the roof as a result of doing this because what you put out there is tremendous value. Um, I, and I, I love the fact that you, you tell people, if you truly believe you're worth this, go do it and exactly. prove to the market that you can. And it's it, listen, it's counter to what many people out there are saying. So I'm not saying that you're right or wrong. I love mm. your perspective on it. Um, mm. It sounds to me like you did the quote unquote free work. Mm. Or you really push to get the actual work. 
you put the time and effort in and use yourself as as the client or the guinea pig exactly exactly and i feel like that's kind of the biggest thing i advocate is like hey before you get into a thing of okay i want to do free work like literally just working yourself do passion projects like a lot of the stuff like actually a couple of the things that i've done in my uh, portfolio were literally when i first started this stuff i did on my own like for example it's a project in my portfolio that was for piccadilly restaurants that project literally stemmed from me walking into a Piccadilly restaurant for the first time in my life out here in Georgia. And, you know, me, I feel like I might, this might be a nerd in me or whatever, but I'm kind of looking at stuff like the menus, the layouts and stuff. And I'm just like, all right, I'm not, I don't know if I really feel it, but I actually ended up doing some research on them. And I actually found the agency that did their uh, rebrand. I think, I believe they're called Zender. And I'm reading through their case study and, happened to talk about how like the client had asked them or told them that they wanted to appeal to a younger audience and i believe they gave a a vague range like between 20 maybe like 35 something like that and i'm like well i'm a younger audience and being here i wouldn't need to i wouldn't need here it doesn't resonate with me it doesn't make sense just from everything so i guess you can call that finding the market gap somewhere or finding the issue somewhere but yeah no i saw that and i created that just because it's one i feel like is going to challenge me and push me to actually you know do like some bigger projects and do some bigger work because i'm like all right just kind of the athlete to me i'm always looking for like the next challenge i'm always trying to you know push myself like i don't want to stay too complacent so that was one of, at the time that was one of the biggest things i had done and it happened to be i never got paid for that but i also never asked reached out to do anything for free i just did that on my own and it just so happened that because of that you know people saw it and they were like wow this is really amazing so i mean i just feel like it all just worked in my favor so i believe if you just go ahead and just do the work on your own as far as like hey just find that passion project or like do something for a company that already exists just for yourself see how far that goes put it out in the world and just see what happens and then you'd be amazed at the feedback that you get and some of the opportunities that come from just that i listen to so much of what you're saying and i and i i hear that so much of your inspiration drive motivation comes from within mm. what what drove what what drives you mm. What drives me? Uh, I feel like I know, like I hate to keep continuing bringing the whole athlete thing, but I feel like that's just something that's just been but ingrained it, in me. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I am, and I'm not going to knock myself. I'm 51 mm-hmm. years old. I'm still mm-hmm. 30 pounds overweight. In mm-hmm. high school, I loved, and as a kid, I loved being an athlete. I loved being a gym rat. I loved being out on the field. I did not like Saturdays, which were game day, because we mm-hmm. only got to be on the field for three hours, and we were on and off of it. Yeah, and it's over. So put me in practice from Monday to Friday for two to three hours at a minimum every day, banging heads. I loved that stuff. Mm-hmm. The, the games were, I, I get it, but for me, the games were boring. Mm-hmm. because it was hey we're going to go out there we're going to kick some ass we're going to go rah rah and then we're all going to go be underage drinkers afterwards and party for a party on saturday night and i'm not afraid to admit it everybody knows who knows me knows where i grew up and what happened and it's still <laughs> to this day um but you know I, I i think the athlete within and i listen i was never in all county and all pro didn't play college ball i went from midget league ball and football and baseball and roller hockey in the street same thing you know football and baseball played mm-hmm. in high school enjoyed it wrestled for a couple hours got my ass handed to me said that's mm-hmm. it i'm not coming back for another season of this but that athlete mindset 
is important. And I think, uh, you know, it, it doesn't, it differentiates some of us from others. We all have our own thing. For me, the athlete within always lives there. And I'm mm. at that point in my life where I'm back on that fitness journey, trying to lose the weight, get myself in shape because I don't, I believe pear is no longer an acceptable shape for me to be in. Um, so I, I'm working at, and that's the mindset that I have. So I keep going, own that and keep going with it. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. So I guess, well, in that case, just to, you know, add on to that, just wanting to, you know, not be, what's the word I want to say, not be average at what I'm, everything I'm doing, just like same way as far as like with sports, you never want to be average. You always are trying to push yourself, whether you're lifting weights, whether you're, you know, training, whatever, whatever you're doing, you're trying to not be average. So you you have that good as the enemy or great mindset kind of just built into you instinctively. Yeah, almost. I mean, it's become a thing of like, especially now, like, bring that competitive mindset is, you know, same way, you know, you kind of conquer sports and you do all these great things in sports. You want to do the same thing for design and like business and everything like that. Cause I feel like a lot of those accomplishments intertwine. Cause I mean, you still got to study, you still got to learn, like watch film now is replaced with reading books or sitting a couple hours on the computer to trying to design and learn new techniques and stuff like that. All these things kind of like mesh and actually, you know, come together and like almost kind of like relate, relate in a way. Yep. So I can say as far as like drives, that would be definitely one. And also just the fact that, you know, I want to, at least now that I'm kind of been seeing that just kind of the feedback I've been getting and some of the, you know, support I've gotten at this point, I want to be a figure for other people who I didn't have at the point. Like literally, I feel like for me to be where I'm at right now, there's a lot of other creatives who are definitely worthy of it and just don't have the opportunity. And it's also hard to kind of see people or see creatives that you know are doing these great and amazing things that look like you so being black and everything like that i want to be hopefully be that for somebody because there isn't not that many you know it look like look like me out there and the fact to be young and be doing this i kind of wanted to show that hey like there are other creators who are just as talented that you can do the same thing as well so it's not a thing that's attainable you get you get a lot of personal fulfillment from other people's victories oh for sure especially it's like i don't know like for me i can say some of the happiest times i've been is when people just said like hey like i just want to reach out to you let you know like this really helped me so much because you know i finally asked that client for what i feel like i was worried for this really helped me get through a bad spot that i was in because i remember all the things like i was once that person and it wasn't that long ago it was probably like literally not even two years ago like literally i was that person hoping and wishing that i could potentially you know be in a position i'm in right now and in fact when you get there it's like all right I feel like I'll be doing people that I know a disservice to not trying to help pull people up. Cause granted, I may not have had that growing up. Cause also, you know, I didn't know the questions to ask. I know who to really go to. So I just went everything blind. But now that I know all these things, I know there's somebody else like that out there that just does not know. And I feel like if I can help them get to that point without having to go through all the hurdles and hoops and issues that I went through, I don't know. This feels good to me. I think that's one of the things that connected us early, early on without really even noticing is I, I always look at, the overwhelming majority of what I do mm. uh, personally and professionally has always been more about being a guide in the process. Mm. I am not the guy like to go back to the athletics. You know, I was a catcher when I played baseball, mm. nose guard in the center and, and an offensive guard. When I played football, okay. I lived in the spots where people didn't know we existed. They knew when mm. we screwed up, but when we did our mm. job, right, we weren't the yeah. guy getting the glory. It was the guy throwing the ball, running the ball, catching the ball. Yeah. Um, and I've always loved that is put me in the mud and the dirt in the middle and let me grind and do the work so I can be the support and the guide 
to other people getting the glory. And, mm-hmm. you know, all of you, you look at the, the, the logo you did for us and, the, and we're launching a company called the business beacon. And it's all about putting that spotlight on other people. And that's always resonated so well with me mm-hmm. that if I have one important job, I want to be the guy holding the spotlight to make sure the people mm-hmm. who need it have it on them at all times. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, I'm good with that glory. Uh, it feels great. Yeah. And, 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 you know, when it's, if it's my win, it's only about me when it's your win, it's about everybody. That's Mm -hmm. that's how my, my mindset, my business mindset works. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it works for me. It's like, we're talking about, you know, see, see the little guy right there, you know, Yoda, he's he's Mm -hmm. the ultimate guy. That's why he sits over my shoulder. (laughs) Um, all right, let, let me, let me dive a little bit deeper into some of the things you led with. You Mm -hmm. talked about the path to perfecting your craft. Mm. is perfection what you're striving for or is it the path that you strive for uh, it's definitely not perfection because i can tell i can say especially as a creative and just seeing other creative it doesn't exist like I, always, I, i'm so happy you said that keep yeah, going nah, there will literally always be you know something that you could tweak to make it better It'll always be something you, and if you get to the point i feel like kind of people get you know almost like you run into a situation where you just don't do anything because I'm like, all right, it's not perfect. So now I don't put this out or I don't do this. And I feel like just get to the point where you just enjoy trying to get better. Like literally that whole process, I feel like is more important than the end result, because if you're doing what you need to do in the process the end result, nine times out of 10 is going to be good. And for that one part, it isn't, I mean, scrap it, try again. It's really not that big of a deal. I feel like especially creators, we get too, caught up in the whole idea of okay it needs to be the greatest I, or i can't show it to anybody or everything like that and me personally it's something i try to you know teach the you know creators because i feel like it's something i'm learning but i try to be as objective as i can when it comes to you know anything i create because yeah. one biggest thing i feel like creators don't understand like look you are not your work like you have this emotional attachment to things you create and i understand they're like your children but at the end of the day it's literally just something that you made it's not you People don't like it. It's not a personal attack on you. People love it. It's the same thing about you. It's literally just something that you made. So I feel like more people need to understand that and kind of disassociate themselves from the work that they do. Corey and train Corey, Corey's uh, my media director trains. One of, one of my producers here in the studio mm-hmm. with there, there's a micro force that, that line right there, you are not your work. We, we'll make mm-hmm. some magic out of that stuff. <laughs> uh, because, because it, it is so true. And it's a message that, um, that isn't understood well enough. I don't think, I think too many people mm-hmm. say, well, how, how do I define it? Or they let or worse. They let other people define, yeah. define it for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's a, that's a brilliant line right there. And I thank you so much for sharing it. Um, let's dive a little bit more into some of the posts that you've put up lately and something mm-hmm. that, that I kind of heard a little bit earlier, but designs impact on business. Let's dive mm-hmm. into the mindset of a business owner. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you, the business owner, and as those who are hiring you to do the work. And okay. I, I want the audience to listen carefully because this is not about a designer and, and the client. It's not about me as a real estate agent or as a creative media agency owner and the client. It's about putting pieces together. And there's going to be a lot that comes out of these conversations. So let's walk through that, that your take on that, how design, what, what is the design's impact on a business? And, and the, this question stemmed from the post you put up couple weeks ago about the uh the five and a half steps book Mm -hmm. okay cool um well kind of just understanding you know just where design plays a part i feel like the easiest way i can start is kind of just look around you everything that you see products 
from brands, whatever design has played a part in some way, shape or form. Like literally from in the back right there, that Bill's logo right there. Yep. It's all, of course, the NFL is an organization It's within the NFL. It at its core is a business. Yeah, It's a football team, but it's a business. It's an entertainment business. One hundred percent. Exactly. So with that, you need to understand that design heavily influences that from the uniforms that you see, the decals that you see on the helmets, the stadium art, all that type of stuff. It all plays a part. And then I feel like where it transitions is more so a thing of, okay, seeing how design goes in, it kind of makes that next step as far as like how it increases or enhances the business or how it affects the business. So when you get into situations where, okay, a brand or a business is having some maybe revenue issues or whatever. The first thing you think about is people want to do a rebrand for stuff like that. You understand that design is heavily influencing that and kind of like kind of a segue into the book, you know, five uh, branding five and a half steps. It kind of talks about that branding is not just the whole thing of I created a logo. It's a whole process from strategy to the development of that strategy to creating the visual, the visual identity, to creating all the touch points and everything like that. It's a whole formula that every business has to go through at some point. And the most successful ones that follow it, you know, to a T normally are pretty successful. Like the Nikes of the world, the Adidas, the Apples, all of these companies had a formula as far as creating a brand and design was a big part of that. So I feel like when people think that, okay, design is just something where, okay, I can do this in five seconds. Well, yeah, maybe some instances you probably could, but it's a whole process when it comes to creating businesses and literally these have real effects. Like say, for example, if a logo is bad, especially for you know, a football team or something like that. And with that, maybe they don't, you know, people don't like it. That's lost revenue for that company. Now, like they losing money because people didn't like the logo. So with that, I feel like people need to really understand that branding really is a really it's really big as far as design and designers really play a big role as far as business success. What is what in, in your opinion, as someone who's becoming more and more of an expert within the industry, define for me what determines what truly is the brand. Sorry about that. All right. Take your time. <laughs> but yeah, um, you said define what truly is the brand. Define, define Because a lot of people say, oh, I got to build my brand. I got to build my brand. I got to build my company brand, so on yeah. and so on. I don't think enough people truly understand what the brand is. They, I, I can't remember who to give the credit to, but mm. the, the line was, you know, brand is not your logo or what you tell people it is. It's what people say about you when you leave the room. Oh yeah. That's, I believe, was it, uh, was it, was it jobs or, or I don't think it was Steve jobs. I think it was, uh, Amazon owner. Why is his name slipping my name? Bezos. Bezos. I think yeah, right. Bezos. I think he was, I think, I think that's exactly who it was, but yeah, Walk me through your your mindset as the designer, but someone who's trying to become a brand strategist mm. um, or who's who's establishing yourself deeper and deeper in that industry. Mm -hmm. Tell people what those core pieces are that have to be put together that really do make up what you hope and aspire your brand becomes. Okay. So I can say it definitely starts off with one strategy. So brand strategy is a thing of Think of that as the roadmap that's going to guide all design decisions at some point. So where you talk about, you know, just how design is implemented for me. And I feel like a lot of, you know, brand strategists and designers who, you know, really kind of immerse themselves in this whole industry. You have to understand that you're not making any arbitrary decisions. And by that, you know, it's more so a thing of a lot of people, especially as far as creatives, 
you get into these things where it's like, okay, I'm picking a color like yellow or something because I personally like yellow. I think it looks good with this. I feel like when you're developing a brand and building a brand, it goes from what are my personal opinions and decisions to what do I think this end user is going to like? So that's what strategy comes in at. So part of that strategy is understanding, okay, who are the people that we're creating this for? What is this being made for? What are we trying to accomplish? What are all these things that you're trying to do? And then from there, once you develop that, then it becomes, okay, well, how can we go ahead and implement this? So at that point, that's when you really look at it is, all right, we're not making decisions for ourselves. Like I try to tell people, especially clients or projects I worked on, like I fully wholeheartedly, you know, respect everyone's opinion on everything that we do. But at the end of the day, I just wanted to be known. I wanted to bring it back to the whole sense of, is it going to, is it aligning with what we're trying to do as far as the end goal? Instead of saying like, yeah, I like the color red, or instead of saying, I like this texture for this particular advertisement, is the end user going to like this? Is the person who are trying to market a suit, is this something that they're going to resonate with? If it all leads back to yes, then of course. But if it's anything where you feel as though I have a bias, where I'm trying to throw a hat a hat in the ring when I'm not supposed to, then it's like, okay, we need to ring it back. So from there, it becomes a thing of, all right, once we have all those things, now we can start making design decisions and we can start trying to create these systems that align with, you know, our target consumer and things like that. And I feel like we're a lot of companies who have a lot of successes, the strategy, the implementation, all this stuff kind of go flows so well together to the point where when you get these end products, you're like, it almost seems like it was made for me. And that's, that was designed that way. And it wasn't arbitrary. It wasn't by mistake. It wasn't by coincidence. It literally was a lot of strategy, a lot of hours and discovery sessions, a lot of just understanding who you are as a person to design something that's going to resonate the most with you. It's made, it's made for you to serve those who you serve. Exactly. I think that's a, that's a good way to put it. Um, let's dive, let's dive, let, let's step at it a little bit and mm. talk about, you know, I, we do a lot of social media stuff here. We do mm. a lot of consulting with people who are asking questions about it. We get questions all the time about how to leverage it. And, you know, I get picked on, you know, well, you know, you only got 1500 followers. I said, yeah, mm. I got a relationship with 80, 80% of them. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't need 10,000, hundred thousand followers. I'm good with that. And it, it took me a long time to get to that point where vanity mm. metrics really are just vanity metrics they're of zero importance to me my what's more important to me is is not even the level of engagement on a post but how much how much those those engagements stem to real world or offline conversations Mm -hmm. Um, you have got an aesthetically beautiful looking feed Mm -hmm. uh you've built yourself i'm look i'm looking here on on your instagram account you got 4100 and change followers but let's talk a little bit about how you leverage social media to spread your message, build mm. your business, uh, build the brand of Khalil. Mm. Okay. I feel like you don't limit it just to Instagram, whatever yeah. you use, let's dive into it. Yeah, for sure. Um, I feel like it kind of works across all platforms, but I can say mostly I'll speak Instagram because I feel like that's where a lot of, you know, the content people will normally find me on will be on Instagram. Um, I can say that with me, I, as I really started to, you know, really create content, I wanted to, do something different in a different way, or at least in my own way. Whereas, I don't know, I feel like I didn't really necessarily go with the flow. Not to say I'm just rebel that just wants to go against what's, I guess, the social norms. It was more so a thing of like, I kind of saw just kind of the same things over and over and over again. And it literally, to me, 
I hated it. I'm just like, all right, I feel like we're just regurgitating the same things that are being put out. We're doing the same things where it's like, okay, we have our feed blocked off and every the whole color scheme and the whole thing, holding line through. It's just a whole lot. So with me, I wanted to one break that because I'm just like, look, I'm not going to be out here like literally just making this whole color coordinated theme page. I want to just do however I'm feeling at that point. As far as if I feel like it fits the message, I want to do that. And then as far as the information I put out there, I wanted to be something that was actionable and something that really could be used where I feel like now, and this is obviously, this is definitely no shade to anybody, but I mean, it's just how I feel about it. Like a lot of people kind of, it's just the same things. I feel like you could just find out in a quick Google search. Like literally it's like, all right, I could have did this. I could have went on Google real quick. And on the first two hits, I would have found that. Mm-hmm. So that's why I feel like I take a lot more time to you know, like really read a lot more books. Cause like there's so much knowledge and wealth and experience from these books, from designers to creatives to entrepreneurs that literally, unfortunately people don't read. <laughs> and it's like, a lot of times I can say like, yeah, granted, a lot of stuff, the majority of things that, you know, I've created, like they're from my experiences, perspectives, but at the same time, I feel like, you know, the biggest way to learn is learn from the people who have done it before you. Yep. Like literally there's a thing in a book that I saw, um, I was reading actually the other day is a book called uh, Seven Strategies for Wealth and Happiness by Jim Rohn. Pretty famous book. A lot of people have read it, but it talks about, look, success leaves clues. It's like literally, and they're in the books that people just refuse to read. It's like years and years of knowledge and experience that you just don't tap into for whatever reason. It doesn't make any sense. We don't need to reinvent the wheel. Exactly. We don't. So it becomes thing like, all right, well, when people see these things. Just like, well, how do you know this? Like, I'm like, let's just read a little bit more. And I mean, granted, like I said, these are, you know, some of these are my own experiences from my perspective and things like that. But it's like, literally I'm taking and learning from people who know more than me. Hopefully. So I get to the point where like, all right, you know, I can kind of take all these things and make my own type of, you know, spin on it or whatever the case may be. Yep. So yeah, that's kind of my whole approach for our social media. Like, I mean, I don't really post that often. Like I'm, I've never given into the whole thing of I'm posting multiple times a day, every day. I'm not Gary V. I don't have a team of people where I can just crank this out every couple hours. So I try to stay consistent, you know, at least maybe once a week, you know, I'm trying to do Mondays this year. We'll see how that goes. But, um, yeah, I mean, just really just continuing to keep everything, I guess, aligned as far as like, okay, what is the message I'm trying to perceive? What am what are people getting from this? I feel like I try to be objective with this as well. Like if I can look at this and say, like, I wouldn't want to read this. If I didn't know this, I wouldn't care to read this. Right. I feel like I have a good sense of that. And I feel like, I mean, so far, I mean, it's been so far so good. A lot of people say, like, yeah, this is something that I really feel like helped me. I tried this, it worked, all this type of stuff. So that's kind of my whole approach to it. It's it's part of why we launched the pro- the podcast and do so many of the things. So most of you know my 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 primary business is the real estate industry, mm-hmm. uh, but I got my hands in in a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, and I was looking, you know, when Instagram store, I've been on Facebook forever. I'm a I'm a dinosaur in my business. I've mm-hmm. been on Facebook since really early days, and I've been a huge fan of of the Gary V's and others like him in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, I, I look at people in my industry and all you see is I listed this, I sold this, I put this one to contract over and over and over and over. And then, and then you get those wonderful posts that say, Hey, I'm a top producer. Well, who the hell defines that? You, you mm-hmm. do. Yeah. Uh, what, what is a top producer? And, and people are only sharing stuff that's, Hey, look at me. Yeah. And that was, that was part of what pushed me to get into the media game more. It's, I don't want you to look at me for the sake of looking at me. 
I want you to listen to what I'm saying and see that I'm different, see that I bring incredible value in everything that I do uh, and, and try to provoke thought, provoke thought and activity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's why I surround myself with, that's why I, I like doing this. I like to bring people on like yourself, like Stacy Rask we had last week, uh, others who, who kind of, if you really listen to, I can't remember how the words went, but it was from the movie White Men Can't Jump. And it was, it was Woody Harrelson. And he was saying, you listen to Jimmy, but you don't hear Jimmy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And like, the, 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 you can consume the music. Mm. But you truly embrace the message that comes from it. Yep, um, sure. and, and I, I think that's a lot of what happens here. And I, I like to kind of be different. Uh, it's why I'm doing this. It's why I've spent the small fortune of my own money to do this to, for my own personal and just for yourself and and i enjoy it but i'd love nothing more than when i get that one person who just says heard the podcast thank you that's the message and and that's a huge that's a huge win for me um i don't know what led me down that rabbit hole so i apologize i'll pull myself crawl backwards that's what i really (laughs) i really wanted to call the podcast is life from the rabbit hole because i seem to live in it head first all the time um let let's start let's start to 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 wind down and wrap up um tell me a little bit about what you're doing with cox communications now uh what am i doing with cox communications pretty much just work on a lot of their internal uh stuff um luckily i mean it has been too too crazy yet because like i said literally i started like right in the holidays or getting ready to start so literally my manager like as soon as i got there like my manager's like yeah going on uh my three-week break so i'll see you when i get back so really it hasn't been too much um like i said things are slowly starting to pick up a little bit more but nothing too crazy just trying to help them with some of their you know white paper stuff uh some designs some new templates for them maybe create some lockups for some of their internal logos stuff like that nothing too crazy what's what's the goal for you i mean listen you you're you're young you're you're very early in your in your business career and still in your life but Mm -hmm. what's the future hold for you what are you what are you looking to accomplish where are you looking to make a difference have an impact however you define it uh okay so we'll start with uh where i would like to make impact what i would definitely like to do is maybe create hopefully some type of space where you know young creatives can one be you know mentored to learn some of the things that they may not know especially if they're self-taught because you know me personally i have a self i have a soft spot for self-taught creatives and design and stuff like that because i am a self-taught designer to an extent so just making sure they have the resources to make so make it so like when they do branch off and they want to start, you know, maybe their freelance career, they want to start their own business or maybe work somebody, they have the tools that they need to have a fighting chance. I feel like a lot of stuff out there is like, especially as far as self-taught, you don't really know, you don't know what you don't know. So for example, that's why I created one of the, the video I created where it's like how to win the interview. Like just my whole experience is going through the job process as a designer and asking the question I asked that helped me get some of the job offers I've gotten is like, I know a lot of people don't know that. Why? Because I didn't know that at some point. It was, it was an incredibly thought provoking piece. It, and personally, as someone who's looking to hire, it was one of the most valuable ones I watched, not because you're the one sitting on the other side of the camera for me right now, but it was tremendously thought provoking for me as an employee, as a future employer of actual, employees not just independent contractors mm. it really because i haven't listen i've been doing what i do for over 20 years i haven't had a job interview because i'm unhirable 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it's mm-hmm. what I've done. It's how I built my career. Mm-hmm. But hearing, hearing that was really thought provoking to me. And if anybody out there is thinking about hiring somebody, go find that post and listen to it from the eyes, from the other set of eyes in the room. Uh, because it really was, it was incredibly powerful and very thought provoking. I definitely appreciate that. It's a great, it's a great shameless plug right there from me. I appreciate that. But I can say as far as the impact, I definitely want to be able to do that. Um, I want to, you know, just continue to, you know, lift, you know, just the black community as far as like the community of black creatives, because there's so much talent out there. And I feel like it doesn't have the time, the chance to shine like some of, you know, some other creatives out there. So I want to be able to amplify them and allow them to really grow and soar and, you know, just get the things that they deserve. Um, as far as, you know, what I definitely want to do at some point, you know, I definitely want to do nothing for you to be completely honest. Like I want to have it to a point where I have an agency where I have like designers, strategists that I trust that literally I don't have to do anything. I'm like, just, okay. I look over, Hey, yeah, that looks good. Go ahead and send it off to the client and that'd be it. But simplicity, I mean, it's all circles back to simplicity. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like simple life. I'm not, you know, I don't ask for a whole lot. I don't need to be on a yacht anywhere. I just want to have stuff taken care of and not have to do much. That's it. That's it. Nothing wrong with that. Listen, I do truly appreciate your time. I'm going to I'm going to put your back up against the wall a little bit, because what I heard in there was the makings of a mastermind type group. You it's Mm. yours. You control it. Mm. Highly, highly. I can't say it enough times. Highly recommended especially if you are a creative to connect with Khalil. Um, like I said, he was open and receptive to my random DM that came from out of nowhere <laughs> has developed into a relationship where I hope that if I could provide some value to you, maybe find a few people out there who could use your services um, that, that I can help funnel, funnel a few bucks your way would, would make me feel wonderful. Uh, but knowing knowing that I've developed this relationship with you where we can do this and one off and just kind of jump in there. This is the kind of person that Khalil is. So Khalil, I'll give you a minute, any closing words before we wrap, uh, closing words. Um, I'd say if there's any creators out there listening to this, you know, kind of going back to, what I said, you know, understand, you know, you're not your work, just continue to do what you're doing. Um, I know that sometimes it might be, you know, really hard as far as, you know, with freelancers and, you know, creatives, you know, sometimes, I don't know. It's just not, it's not going well at the point. Like maybe clients not coming in and stuff like that, but once you understand it does get better, like literally continue to focus on your craft, get better, be as best as you can be because literally it's going to come a point where all that turns and you really have more clients that you can handle. I can almost promise you because it almost happened to me just like that. So like the name, like, like the name of the show says opportunity knocks, but I got news for you. It usually knocks when you least expect it. Oh, um, for sure. And gotta be ready. That that's it. Keep digging, keep grinding away, put that hustle and that hard work in there, have faith in yourself and go find those mentors, whether they're one-on-one or just people that you're poaching everything from when it comes to thought provocation. Uh, it's, there's huge opportunities out there for people. Mm -hmm. I want to thank you so much for doing this, for taking the time. I can't thank you enough. No problem at all. I appreciate being up there. It's been great fun. I loved it. Anything we could ever do to repay the favor, you know how to find us. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, the Opportunity Knox podcast is here for you. Uh, we, we aspire to bring you great people, great guests. If you know somebody who you think is a good fit for the show, please connect them with us. There is, there is no wall to get to us. Simple DM, a phone call, an email, whatever it takes. We want to put together the best show to bring 
opportunities to others who are listening to us and to help other people figure out where those opportunities lie for themselves. Khalil just took himself out of the picture there, but that's, yeah, I don't know what just happened right here, but hold on. <laughs> we'll get it. Like, and there's, a, there's a big eye staring back at me, but we're going to, we're going to wrap anyway. So don't knock yourself out. We'll, we'll wrap in a minute, but as always, the opportunity knocks podcast is a show by us only because we're here to serve you. Let us know what we can do to make this more valuable to, to you. As always, we would love it. If you would subscribe, leave a review, leave some comments, let us know how you're enjoying it. If you are, and if you're not, Hey, I'm all for listening to the trolls as well. It makes us <laughs> what we do. Um, thank you. As always, I want to thank Corey and train for sitting in here and helping, helping me keep this whole mess together. So it doesn't fall apart on me. Mm -hmm. uh, and we will see you in a future episode. As always, thank you so much. Have a fantastic day.